John. Uh, I live and work in New York City. I run Endless Editions, which is a publishing curatorial project. I also work at the Robert Blackburn Printmaking Workshop, and uh, I spend a lot of time teaching, making books, and uh, organizing events. Cool. So, we'll start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My dream is to have a sidekick assistant coordinator coming in to work with me one or two days a week. How can I make this happen when money is not coming in? So, um... Endless Editions actually operates on a completely volunteer basis, so all of the people that work at Endless Editions don't get paid. So they're all sidekicks. They're all sidekicks. <laughs> they're all sidekicks. They're and, all your uh, sidekicks. They're actually not my sidekicks. Um, a community of sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was like the easiest way to get people. Well, there was it was twofold. The way I got all of the people interested in Endless Editions was that it was a Resograph studio, so it was a a resource that could be shared. So while it wasn't direct cash, it was an ability to earn cash, right? Mm. Um, because you could print things and sell them. And it was also a, a lens. So the way we imagined the volunteer structure was very similar to the way that it works at the Robert Blackburn Printmaking Workshop, which is like an hour-to-hour -hour kind of exchange. Every hour you give to the print shop, you mm. get an hour of access back. So it's a, a different type of resource. Well, Endless doesn't really keep an hour-to-hour -hour kind of log. Like, we don't keep track of how many hours people work. It was more like, if you make it past the probationary period or the, the required period of four months, then you choose your schedule and yeah. you choose your adventure. You choose what you want to do with that time. You can help continue to help on the projects that we need assistance on, or you can publish your own books. You can organize your own events. And you can utilize Endless Editions resources to do those things. You can apply to, an, uh, to a grant or you can apply to a proposal for an exhibition using Endless Editions, you know, uh, cultural capital, you know, as like a, instead of just sending it as like an individual, you're sending it as an organization and you can choose to do what you'd like with that and you can involve yourself in any way. So, so there's no... It's the cultural capital they get getting paid in, or more, also more access to to like a a printmaking studio, bookmaking studio, okay. to equipment uh, and space, equipment okay. and space, yeah, mm -hmm. like uh, intangibles in those ways. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of the volunteers we get now are very interested in Rezo, but then others are like really interested in like organizing events and how to do that. So there was like a transition maybe like two years ago where people were, most of the people that were coming to help me were um, really interested in Rezo printing and making books. But as more and more events were coming our way or like as I was more, you know, it was also like a, a learning curve for me to like figure out how do, like, how do I get help? <laughs> how do I have people help me? So uh, I think the best advice I can give for somebody who wants to have a helper is to know how your helper can help you mm. and is to is to be very clear with your helpers what they're going to do and mm -hmm. like keep them 
as involved so that they have ownership over the property that they don't feel like it's they're doing it in vain that they actually have some pride in that project or they actually have some say in that project or that their vision is attached to it it's very important to us to like give credit to people that work on projects and have them feel like it's part of their own pr practice as well that's great advice yeah really really good <laughs> you're perfect for this. you're perfect here's another one uh -huh. Is it okay to be hyper-commercial and hyper-underground at the same time? Um, yeah, totally. I think uh, that's that's one... W uh, so, it depends on where you are, mm -hmm. right? In the States, we don't have the same structures and support systems for the arts. Definitely so, not. So, uh, Endless Editions and myself, like, the way that I get paid is by doing commercial work. Like, mm -hmm. I, I do jobs for, like, The Gap or Nike and things like that. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about doing it because I charge them the most, right? Like, they subsidize endless editions without even knowing it. Yeah. You know, they subsidize all these other projects without even knowing it. And it also provides an opportunity for me to take some of that cash and pay my volunteers. Mm -hmm. So I can hire, be like, I need to hire two people and I just hire my people. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, you know, that's just one face I'm showing for, for client work, right? So, like, Paul John has an individual is available for hire for client work. Mm -hmm. And that's a different conversation than when Endless Editions is involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. or, or the Robert Blackburn Printmaking Workshop mm -hmm. is involved. Because um, those two organizations, the Print Shop and Endless Editions, are meant to empower and meant to subvert systems, right? Mm -hmm. Empower people, subvert original systems. And while we don't like say that is our mission, like that's what we're thinking about. Those are the conversations we're always having. Is like, what does support look like for this person? How do we change this person, the lens of this conversation, how do we obstruct, you know, normal gatekeeping structures and how do we like stop that from entering these, these spaces? Like mm. what does true support look like for these people? Right. Mm. Um, cause giving somebody an opportunity isn't necessarily the most responsible way of providing support. It's allowing them to have a, a, a chance. Sure. But you're not like helping them with that chance. Like you sometimes have to help them build the systems. And you have to like, like provide advice or, or, um, you know, instructions or even like get the resources for them, right? You give somebody an opportunity and you give them the cash to do that opportunity. That's a different story than just giving them a shot. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do think it's possible to be hyper commercial, but it has to be like considered, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're using your brand or your project for these commercial ends, then you have to really think about like how that's going to look and who you're going to involve and, and what that looks like for everybody. Um, we did a pop-up shop with the Gap with Endless Editions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I didn't really want to do it, but they gave us a shit ton of money. And we were able to like, to, to swing the lens of like, okay, at, le at the very least we can like curate a selection of independent publishers and have it a really nice display. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a nice photograph for everybody at the very least. Yeah. And when the books sell, and, you know, we were hoping that they would, and they, they did, uh, not as much as we'd like, but selling anything is better than nothing in these situations. We were able to give, like, 100% of the proceeds to those in, uh, independent publishers. We were also able to hire a couple of those independent publishers to do silly things like DJ. One day. <laughs> you know, like, they're not DJs. Well. Yeah. But that was like, whatever, do you want to make, like, 300 bucks to, like, DJ for an hour and a half? Like, yeah. do you want to yeah. do... Com like, I had these two comedians who are actually, like, super big now. Um, 
Lorelai Ramirez and Ana Fabrega. If you ever watched the HBO series Los Spookies, she she's a writer for that show now. You know, like and this was like before she like had her hit into LA. Like I was like, uh, I don't even work with these people normally. You know, Ana Fabrega and and Lorelai did a couple things with Endless. Like uh, they did a book fair with us once, and. Uh, you know, I just thought like, oh, they, they had mentioned that they were like hard up on cash. They were looking for some rent money. And I was like, hey, do you guys want to do like a stand up comedy set? I have 300 bucks, mm -hmm. you know, like, and they were like, what do you want? And I was like, literally whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and like, so they came in and they had, you know, they had prepared something, but they were just like, basically like just blowing up their Instagrams, you know, like, like nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Like they tried to get yeah. people's attentions, but like nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> And, like, Anna Ferrega, like, has this personality where she, like, pretended she was, like, a tourist. So, like, a tourist bus actually stopped at the at this pop-up shop. And, like, all the people on the tourist bus, like, came in to get, like, free t-shirts. <laughs> and Anna Ferrega was, like, going up to them being, like, oh, this is incredible. Like, she was, like, fucking with all these people. Like, she was just, like, fucking with them, pretending that she was, like, a homeless person. Pretending she was, like, she couldn't speak English. And she was just, like, asking people, like, really awkward. It was hilarious for us. Mm -hmm. Nobody else knew what the fuck was going on. And they basically just hung out for an hour, got a bunch of money, and then left, you know? Mm -hmm. So in those very rare and unique instances, you can like really take commercial, you know, monies and be like, you know, kind of a sellout, but, um, but at least you can like flip that without mm. even them knowing, mm -hmm. you know, for a good cause. or like at least like you're lining somebody's pockets for a night or two. Right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's not like, I don't know if it's like a good cause, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to help people yeah. that are creative people. Yeah. Mostly thinking yeah, about pain. community. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. What is the community that you represent? Mm -hmm. Who are the people that you want to see resources go to? Mm -hmm. um, and at that time they were like people that were on my radar and definitely didn't have the same access. Like now, yeah. Anna needs like no help, right? She's, mm getting paid by HBO you know? so <laughs> she doesn't need me to like hit her up anymore about stuff like this yeah. you know but that that's the funnier thing it's like she totally would still do something like this mm -hmm. um, and those are the kind of people that that maybe you'd want to support more too I think. Mm -hmm. I'm also just really happy to have some this kind of advice because uh, yeah as you have noticed here the Norwegian art scene is very specific yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. This is a question we haven't asked anyone yet. Amazing. Yes. What should I do if someone is plagiarizing my work and my projects? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, in my personal opinion, I think ownership of creative ideas and I think ownership of the arts is really tricky. It's tricky because how there are certain things you just can't own, right? Like you can't own shapes. Yeah. You can't own colors, right? And so much art has well, been made. Some yeah, I mean, like to own colors. yeah, the Yves Klein blue <laughs> or Anish Kapoor's black, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's absurd. I think yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's crazy. I think if somebody's like genuinely stealing everything, right? Um, that's fucked up. And mm -hmm. I think that you know. It's more important to me that you talk about this. You tell people that that happened, like this person stole my idea and you let them know. And I don't think blasting them on social media or like coming out with a statement or even legal rights, um, you know, that's a question. I've had ideas stolen from me 
you know, I've had a lot of ideas stolen from me. Um, you know, goofs, things that I thought were unjust. And then later I would see in real world, either through like commercial design agencies or stores that I had worked with and I had done done a lot of work with them and like had gotten paid from them. But, you know, I gave them a a little bit extra and I was like, oh, whenever you need more help, like hit me up. And then they just took my ideas and hired another designer to do exactly what I said. Yeah. And, And even institutions that I'm very close with, you know, we're having a very candid, casual conversation and it gets like a little bit intense, some critique comes into play, and then all of a sudden, like they're doing what I said that they would do. Like, I'm not acknowledged mm-hmm. in that at all, yeah. right? Um, so, I might not know the best answer, right? I think in general, like people who, people who know you and work with you will know that it was yours. Yeah. You know? And as long as you do it better than other people, then they'll know it was yours. But in some other ways, like when like a huge corporation comes after and like, takes your shit, like it's really hard. Yeah, it might not be worth the effort. It might not be worth the effort. But, you know, I have had other artist friends that have their artwork reproduced by places like Urban Outfitters or like, other clothing brands. And they're able to win those battles. You know, mm-hmm. like Tuesday uh, Bassan, right? Um, the, the heart with the eyes. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I forget which clothing brand was that like just stole it yeah. like just stole it and put it on their clothes she yeah, sued everywhere. them or they sued them and um and uh you know they were able to to renegotiate their terms and then Tuesday Bassam was like paid in, in, in full for that kind of stuff but, yeah it's kind of it's like definitely tragic because you know a lot of people don't realize that they're stealing yeah um because they're just like they're just so oblivious to it um, and maybe it's like the same mentality as like, you can't own these things, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, without proper copyright, it's really difficult to prove. And at least on my scale, I just try not to concern myself with it. But, mm. you know, you take certain precautions now, you know, like I don't, I'm not, not as free with my ideas that I want to use. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, like on my social media platforms, I don't post things that aren't already completed. Yeah. You know, now. You know, because so, someone with more resources can beat you to it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, could iterate it in a different way. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like afraid to talk to these people and like collaborate with them further. But it's just I saw too much of my shit coming out of ju- junior design studios, and I was like, fuck this shit. And yeah. my Instagram made my, I made my Instagram private. Mm-hmm. I deleted mm-hmm. like 500 followers, like anybody I didn't recognize. Like I just yeah. deleted those designers I blocked, you know, yeah. and I talk shit about them all the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I talk shit about them to, to their employers. I talk shit about them to other people that could hire them. Yeah. And they've definitely like, you know, uh, not all, but a couple of them like came up and like personally apologized, you know, mm. you know, it was, wow. it was nice to have that kind of recognition, but I was, you know, never, never scorn a Leo. You know? <laughs> I will fuck you up. I will yeah. light you up. <laughs> and it's not like one of those like reactionary ones it's like something that I've been thinking about for a very long time yeah and I know exactly how I'm gonna cut you up <laughs> I know exactly where you're gonna bleed um but yeah I mean uh, I think plagiarism is something that also I think um you know a lot of my projects or the things that I work with are so people-based that you can't really steal that you know that's a lot of labor mm-hmm. you're working to steal like a silly idea that doesn't make you that much money, you know. Like, <laughs> so uh, I, I've I've been very fortunate. Like I don't have a lot of my things just lifted like that. Mm. But yeah, I guess if you were, you know, like get a lawyer, 
sue the shit out of them, yeah. you know, but if there's one thing I can give advice for in these terms, it would be, uh, like, you have to separate work from your personal life. Like, you have to take your emotions out of it. Like, you cannot be emotional in those situations. It's like, you have to be, you have to take it, don't take it personally. You, know, you have to think about it pragmatically, you know, and imply those tactics. Otherwise, it's going to hurt too much and it's going to take too much out of you. You're going to be suffering over something that's already happening. Like, you should be focusing your efforts on your progress, your well-being. Yeah. Thank you. Great advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah. And, and we, the... we actually met you in Maastricht. Yeah. A year ago. A year ago at the Rizzo Conference. Yes. That yeah, was fun. So shout out to the Unvanike Academy. And jo- yeah. Rizzo Conference. Yo Franken. Yo Franken. And the Rizzo Freaks of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Rizzo Freaks. <laughs>